0: Chapter Two. All right, want to ask you to pray for Mary Westerfield. Keep her in prayer. She uh, she has the flu. She went to the hospital last night. I think she's home now. Um, pray for John Sheets as well. He's ill. Pray for Hudson Hickman. And I could go on and on and on and on. So, if you know of somebody ill, just uh, hey. As a church family, let's do our part to keep people encouraged, whether it's by a letter, a text message, that means a whole lot. You don't have to go visit and shake hands if they're sick. All right, but you can do things to be a blessing to them. All right, if you're able to stand, Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2. Hopefully you understand why we didn't do handshake today. We're going to give it a couple weeks while things run their course. We don't want anybody to feel... Uh, obligated to shake hands if they don't want to. Nothing worse than somebody doing this. (coughs) Hey, good to have you here. That is a bummer when that happens. Okay, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. You made it to church. We've sang, we've praised, we're going to read the word of God. So, here we go. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne And as patience, and for my name's sake hast laboured, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works; or else I will come into thee, come unto thee quickly. And will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God." Our text verse is from verse 4 and verse 5. Uh, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll jump into this. Father, may you bless the message, minister to our hearts, prepare us to learn, to evaluate our own lives. Sometimes it's easier to look around at others, and yet it's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And I ask that the Holy Ghost would help each individual in the room to see their spiritual condition right now as it stands with you. And I pray, Father, that you would quicken us, you would revive us, it would stir us to action, it would stir us to a greater witness, a greater worship, and may you be glorified. Bless our special music now, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two again. Revelation 2. Needed some preliminaries because uh, I thought, boy, if I can preach 20 minutes, I'll be good to go. Boy, that'd be disappointing, wouldn't it? 20 minute sermon. <laughs> I'm glad there wasn't a whole lot of amens, but uh, <laughs> the reality is I could probably lose my voice in 20 minutes here. You know, have you ever... Uh, Got to talking to somebody, and the the conversation started off kind of forced. It was like you were just trying to make conversation, and all of a sudden you hit something. All of a sudden, a subject got brought up that piqued an interest, and the person you were talking to just took it from there. It might have been fishing. They just went on and on and on and on and on, and all of a sudden you found you found their hot button. It it might have been carpentry. It might have been a a new home project. It might have been a hot rod. It might be music. It might have been baseball cards. That's I remember I have a fascination, or used to. But it doesn't take long to find out what a person loves once you get them talking about it. It doesn't take long. And there are a lot of things that God has given us in this world that we can love. And there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it at all. But uh, there is a first love as a believer, as a Christian, that is absolutely a mandate for our Christian vitality. Now, in the passage we read a little while ago, this is written to a church. It's written to a literal church, the Church of Ephesus. And the Church of Ephesus has a great history. In Acts chapter 18, the Apostle Paul would lead some men to the Lord who had been under the tutelage of John the Baptist, but they had not received Christ, they had not received the Holy Spirit. And so they get saved, they get baptized, and and a church is formed. And then we come into Acts chapter 19, Paul leaves, and a man by the name of Apollos comes in. And Apollos mightily convinces the Jews of Ephesus that Jesus is the Christ. So that church begins to formulate, it grows. Later on, the Apostle Paul comes back in Acts chapter 19, Some amazing things take place, supernatural things. Revival breaks out, and I love the passage in Acts 19, a passage in Acts 19 that says there was no small stir of that way. And the Bible says many of the people gave up their golden images and their witchcraft, and they burned all that stuff. And and it stirred up things because the, the idol manufacturers We're going out of business. Bummer. That'd be like revival hitting Lebanon and the bars having to close down. Let me do this. That'd be like revival hitting Lebanon and all of a sudden nobody was selling lottery tickets anymore. (laughs) Anyways, revival had broke out and Ephesus had been a thriving church. Later on, Timothy would pastor the church of Ephesus. <coughs> he'd do a fine job. History records that the Apostle John actually, he either attended or pastored the church of Ephesus before he was taken to the Isle of Patmos. Patmos was not too far from the city of Ephesus. And History also records that he was eventually buried in Ephesus. But Ephesus was a church that was known for some great works. I mean, let's look at the reading again, if you will. The letters specifically to the church of Ephesus. And we will will go through all seven of these churches. Sunday nights, I am looking to go through the book of Revelation. But we're uh, (coughs) with... Last Sunday, this coming Sunday, or today, with the guest, I thought, well, I'm going to jump into this. And besides, this is a great subject, Valentine's Day is right around the corner, let's talk about love. All right, anyways, verse 1, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Let me make some comments as I read. As Jesus writes to each letter or each church, each church, he introduces himself distinctly different. He introduces himself according to the need of that church. Now, what he says here is that he is in the midst. He's in the midst. So we know the dilemma. We emphasize that. We're going to come to that again here in a moment. But Jesus is letting this church know. I'm the one that walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. The golden candlesticks were the churches. The Bible interprets itself in chapter 1. It tells us that these were the churches. These were seven churches. Verse 2. I know thy works. I'm going to pause and just say this real quickly. It's encouraging for you to know he knows your works. Though somebody else next to you doesn't know your works, he knows your works. He knows your prayers. He knows the encouragement you've given. He knows the extra time you've given to a loved one. He knows the extra burdens you've bared along with your own. Even if other people don't acknowledge that. Even if you don't get a pat on the back. Even if you don't get honored and celebrated before men, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, He knows your works. He knows your works, and your labor is not in vain for the Lord. But we can reverse that too, because the reality is, He does know our works, whether they be good or bad. He knows our works when we're all alone, He knows where we allow our mind to drift. He knows when we, we allow our mouth to drift. Hello. That's important that we understand that. We haven't started the service yet. We're just kind of just enjoying the word of God, okay? I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. And has found them liars. And has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Look down at verse 6. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans which I also hate. Let me make a comment here. I didn't read verse 4 and 5 for a reason. <coughs> Oops, there's a reason I wore this tie Mike. I was turn my head. Um, What we find is this is a church that is still laboring, still serving. By all outward appearance, ladies and gentlemen, this church is active and thriving. By all outward appearance, if you and I were to attend this church, our first objective, our first uh, opinion would most likely be, well, they got some things going on here. I mean, they're busy. Look at all the different activities they have. They have the right stand on the Bible. Boy, they sing good music. They're not, a, they're not afraid to stand against sin. They're upholding truth. They're not allowing wolves to come in and take over. They're, they're doing the right thing. And that would be our opinion. That would be our, our uh, observation of this church. And that was the Lord's observation. And by the way, the Lord did commend this church. He commended this church. Those were good things, ladies and gentlemen. But what we discover is this. In verse 4, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. It is possible to do all of those things and be missing something of absolute vital importance. Love. It is possible to go through these, to be busy, to be active, to go through the motions and be missing the number one ingredient of it all when it comes to Christian, Christian service. And that is love. Now I know I've read different commentaries on that idea of thy first love and I'm not going to make it difficult. Inevitably, inevitably, God's people are supposed to be known by love one for another. The Lord Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have a love one for another. I mean, that should be something that's manifest, that's obvious in the house of God. But nevertheless, there are three things I want to show you about this departure. Three things. First of all, the subtlety of this departure. Second of all, the tragedy of this departure. But we won't leave it there. Third of all, the remedy of this departure. And it's in the passage itself. Now let me give you a story. Here's a couple. They're absolutely madly in love with each other. They have goo-goo eyes for each other. They cannot help but to think about each other when they're apart. When they're apart, the other is on their mind. When they're among friends, it's an easy conversation for them to talk about their future bride, future groom. All the dreams and aspiration of this wedding. The day comes and they get married. They say their I do's. Their holy vows are are consecrated, and they are married, husband and wife. Well, not long after, a child comes into the home. Boy, that just adds extra flavor to the house, doesn't it? A child in the home. This husband and wife, they've enjoyed each other's company. They've enjoyed this commitment, this security that comes with this commitment. And now they have a child. Wow. Diaper duty. Pink walls, because it's a girl. Oh, my. The little toddlers all over the place and brings so much excitement. And then not only that, a few years down the road, another one comes, crying out loud. Blue walls this time. Boy, the house is filled with energy, and the kids grow, and boy, mom and dad enjoy each other, and they look at these kids, and they're just enjoying these kids, and as time progresses, boy, the kids are in school, they got activities, and boy, mom and dad thought they were busy before they had kids. But now they got to run junior to so-and-so camp, and they got to run junior. little sisters to so-and-so camp, and oh my goodness, they're staying busy at this event, and this event, and this <clears throat> this play, this band thing, what, it, it's just got, they're all over the place, and they're just surviving now, they're, it, they're in survival mode. Those kids getting older, they become teenagers, and Oh, no, now you've got discipline issues you've got to deal with, and you thought these kids were well-behaved, but they're, they've got these minds of their own, they're little demons. And they think you're uh, just a welfare bank, and you know, it's like, come on. And they graduate, and they go off to college, they meet somebody, they finally, they both get married, and wow. Mom and dad wipe their head and say, you know what, I, I thought I was going to miss them, but it got to the point to where I'm glad they're gone. <laughs> and they wipe their head and they, they look across the room at each other and they say, now who are you? I saw you many years ago. what happens and what has happened what can happen is during all of that it all started with this first love it all started with i do i do it all started with that first love but then other loves came into the picture not wrong. They were wonderful loves. They came into the picture. But they were only there in regards to being in the home for so long. And it's back to you two. And if you don't watch it, your heart has lost that Attachment and that affection that it once had for your bride and your groom you can be buds and you can be residents in the same house but something is missing you forgot how to talk to each other you forgot how to listen to each other oh the lady at work will listen to you the guy at work he'll listen to you but for some reason You two just can't get along. And eventually, eventually reason comes that, you know, we might as well, we might as well just cut this thing off. We can be friends. And there it is. I know a true story of a couple that have been married 33 years and after... They didn't have their son till he was like, till seven, eight years into the marriage. After he had left the home and got married, within one year, they had divorced. He was the reason. He was their focal point. Now, nothing wrong with them loving him. The problem was, though, their love for him didn't keep the marriage together after he was gone. Are you hearing me? The Lord Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, you know, you're doing a lot of good things. You're working. You've got activities. You've got Sunday school classes. You have social functions. You get involved in the local parade and different citywide events. You stand against evil. You can discern. You have knowledge. You know what the Bible teaches But I'm here to tell you, Ephesus, you've left your first love. The subtlety of this, ladies and gentlemen, the subtlety of it is that it's not like we intend that to take place. Now, I know the passage refers to a church. It refers to a church, but the passage is just as applicable to you and I as an individual believer Because, ladies and gentlemen, can I confess without being stoned? I know there have been seasons when I've left my first love. You know, a lot of times you know that because, as I said at the very beginning, what's most easy to talk about? Hello? What's most easy to talk about? Is it Jesus? Or is he way down the list? Now, it's not that Jesus doesn't love you, and it's not that Jesus didn't love this church, and Jesus didn't write this letter to this church because he was mad at this church. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you something? He wrote this letter to this church because he loved this church. I mean, consider this Uh, Christ died for the church. The scripture tells us, husbands, love your wives as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for it. Jesus loves this church. He loves this church. He loved this church and he sees the error. He sees what's going on. He sees the heart condition and he says, there's something that's going to destroy you if you don't change. You can go through these motions. You can go through these activities. You can win the approval of the people around you. You can get a pat on the back from your neighbor or your fellow churches. But I see your heart, And I am here to tell you this is as important for you and I today in 2024 as it was back when it was written in the day of John the Apostle. You see, I can give and not love, but I can't love and not want to give. I can serve and not love, but I can't love and not want to serve. Because love, when we're filled with love, there's an innate desire to please, to honor the one we love. With whatever capacity and ability we have. Even if we're bedridden, our praises will go to Him. our Lord is concerned about love today. Jesus would say to Peter in John chapter 21 after he had resurrected, there they are gathered on the bank of the sea, bread and fish beside the fire. And the Lord takes Peter aside and inquires and he says, Peter, lovest thou me? Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. The Lord looks back at Peter again in John chapter 21. He says, "Uh, by the way, Peter, lovest thou me? Peter says, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. And if that wasn't enough, can you imagine being Peter? Can you imagine being a third time? A third time, the Lord Jesus looks back at Peter and says, Lovest thou me? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to ask you the very same question, or to bring that question out and say, if he was to ask you that right now, where's your heart? Yea, Lord, you know I love you. You know all things. And that's what Peter said. But why did he ask? Because that is the primary motive for service. That is the life vitality of our Christian life. If I don't love him, I won't last for him. Did you hear that? If I don't love him, I won't last. Now, (coughs) Ephesus... is being spoken to because of this subtle departure. We don't know how long it's gone on. We don't know if it's fresh, if it's only been a week, month. We don't know if it's been a number of years. We don't know if they're living on their past history. We don't know if, oh man, you know, we're still seeing people come to church. Things are well here. Can I tell you there are churches that love God that are not seeing people come to church? There are church, people that love God who they're in the middle of nowhere and they're maybe suffering persecution in Russia or China and we'll never know about them till we get to heaven. They'll never see all the big things that you and I get to see in, here in America. But they love God as much or more than any one of us. But this subtlety of this departure, it happens. It happens. You know why it happens? Not often because of something evil that allures us. But something that's good, just not the first love. Kind of like those parents with their children. We can fall in love with the works and not the worship. We can fall in love with just uh, what's going on, uh, the service, but not the person we're here for. I was watching in the song service and trying to sing as well. You know, and I know you don't think about this every Sunday. I don't think about it every Sunday. I think about it, thought about it because of the message. But Brother Brian is leading music and I'm looking out and I'm thinking, you know, God bless some folks, they just don't look like they're really into it. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they're having a bad day. I don't know. But you know what? They're not singing for me, and they're not singing for the person next to them. If they only knew, they're singing for Jesus. They're singing for Jesus, if they're singing at all. That helps me because uh, I don't think I would get to make the quartet. (laughs) But I'll use the pipes he's given me. He just wants to hear us sing. He wants to hear our voices lifted up to Him. If we love Him, it's not an issue. It really isn't. It helps our soul to be attentive of Him. Now I realize, Brother Brian, he he, he doesn't scold you or anything like that. He just gets up there and leads the music. He loves the Lord. But we ought to help out. Well, we ought to lift up our voices and sing when it's time to sing. Praise the Lord. If we love Him. If we love Him. You say, well, I made it to church. Well, the tragedy of this, ladies and gentlemen, the tragedy. Look at verse (coughs) 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent. And do the first works, or else I will come down unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of this, out of his place, except thou repent. The church is considered the candlestick. It is to be a light in a dark world. What the Lord Jesus is saying is if you do not repent of this, even though you stand against evil, Even though you're going through all this labor, even though you are patient and you have endured some things, if you do not repent of your wayward heart, you're going to lose your light. You're going to lose that church. It's going to be a dark place before long. I'm going to remove it, it will become useless. And that would be a tragedy. Today, the city of Ephesus lies wasted. I'm not going to blame it on the church necessarily, but nevertheless, local churches come and go. I said they come and go. And you can be certain that for most good local churches, the death knoll does not begin uh, uh, often by... uh, an obvious acceptance of evil. It begins by a cold-heartedness creeping in the church, allowing it to fester and accepting, accepting the idea of we're just going through them, we're going to coast, we're going to coast, we're going to coast. That's never been the plan of the church. When it says that they stood against evil, the reality is the church is supposed to be attacking the gates of hell. We're supposed to be the aggressors. (coughs) The tragedy is, it's going to be gone. Just like that marriage is over, the church is going to be gone. And the Christian, the Christian who allows their heart to get cold and indifferent toward Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you, they won't last. They won't last in church, they won't last in service. They won't last in their witness. They will be gone if they're a Christian at all. (coughs) So we move on to the remedy before everybody else beats you to the restaurant this afternoon. The remedy is found in verse 5 as well. There are three things involved in the remedy. You'll like this. I think it Gives its, lends itself to the text. We need to remember, we need to repent, and we need to return. We need to remember what? Well, we remember. We need to remember from whence they are fallen. Remember where you came from, ladies and gentlemen. Remember the day that you were saved. Remember the day that grace lifted you up and you didn't deserve it. Remember the day that God opened your eyes when you were blind. Remember the day that grace showed up at your doorstep and gave you a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance. Remember the day that grace cleaned your life up. Remember the day that grace not only cleaned you up but put a song in your heart. Remember the day that grace brought you uh, into a fellowship that encouraged you and strengthened you. Remember that day that grace came in and said, I love you and I'm not giving up on you. And the world may have given up on you, but I'm not giving up on you. Remember that day and don't forget that day. Ladies and gentlemen, because you are what you are by the grace of God. Not a single one of us deserve what we have. And God's good grace and mercy, he's picked us up from a miry pit. We best not forget that. And then he says, repent. Well, that's a good Bible word. And that's not out of date. Repent. What on earth does that mean? Same thing it's always meant. Turn. Turn. You see, if you remember, if you remember, it helps help you be mindful of how far your heart has slit. And then, so the next step is to repent. Turn. the idea of turn means to go back. I mean, leave where you're at and go to the one that you need to love, Jesus Christ. We love Him because He first loved us. If ever you loved Him, it's because He first loved you. But the responsibility lies on us after that the responsibility says Jude lies on us in Jude verse 21 he says keep yourselves in the love of God once your heart is moved by the love of God it's our duty to keep the fire burning keep the logs and the fire there I mean most of us in a literal sense know how to keep a fire burning I mean, we know, we got enough sense, well, hey, the fire's going out, get another log, get some more brush, keep that thing going. We got enough sense to do that if it's our responsibility. Certainly we could have enough sense as Christians to acknowledge, you know, the fire's going down, I need to put another log on the old fire there. I need to get another log on there. I need to spend a little bit more time with Jesus. I, might need to, I need to meditate a little bit more on His goodness and His mercy and His kindness and the few, His promises. Oh, I love what old Spurgeon said. The future is as bright as the promises of God. I need to spend a little bit more time on where I'm spending eternity. I need to spend a little bit more time on how quick this life goes and evaporates. I need to spend a little bit more time remembering, on the, remembering the goodness of God remember and repent and return. Now, it's an interesting statement, return to the first works. Did you all see that there? First works. First works. Now, I want to say this. Uh, When Jesus was having dinner over at Mary, Martha's, and Lazarus's house, an interesting little narrative there, we discovered that Martha was cumbered about many things. Hello? I mean, she was busy lady. She was trying to get the house ready, doing a lot of good things. Nothing wrong with that. Trying to keep the house tidy, clean, having a good meal ready. We appreciate that. That's a blessing. But apparently Jesus started preaching early. Jesus sat down and he started the preaching. And the Bible tells us Mary sat down while Martha was still busy. And she went and complained to Jesus and said, can you help Mary help me? Look at her. She's sitting here and the Lord says this to her. He says, Mary, you're cumbered about many things. But one thing is needful. One thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen the better part. You know what he's saying? He's saying you need to worship before you work. Hey, the Lord wants us to work, but if we don't worship, our work won't last. Better learn to worship before you work. First works. Return to the first works. What's the first works? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Do you realize that before Jesus ever sent his disciples out to do mighty miracles and speak the message of the gospel, before he ever sent them out, he had to bring them in? He had to bring them in before he could send them out. Because if he didn't bring them in, they wouldn't have anything to talk about when they went out. He brings them in, they spend time with him, and then he says, now you can go out. But guess what? They didn't stay out, they came back. Because we all need to come back. we got to learn to worship if we're going to really work. But there's something else, something else to this idea of first work, so we cannot overlook this. We just cannot overlook it. Ladies and gentlemen, what did Jesus, what's the great commission? What did Jesus leave to the church as he ascended on high? What did he say? He said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. You know what he was telling us? Continue to be soul winners. Socializing's fun, but soul winning's important. Social functions are good and they're nice and they're helpful to the believers. But don't forget the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I are going to heaven because somebody remembered the first work. Somebody remembered the first work. When's the last time you handed out a gospel tract? When's the last time you tried to share your faith with somebody that was lost? When's the last time you tried to get a lost person into the house of God even? Just, I'm just asking, I'm just asking because I'm here to tell you that says a whole lot about our heart. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you That's what he said. Now ladies and gentlemen, I stand before you as guilty as anybody else I know I'm not the soul winner I need to be I know, I know there's so much more work, when I look at my, my love gauge for the Lord it is nowhere where it needs to be and may God have mercy on me and help me but I know this is the message of the hour this is what we need the question is not well I know where I'm at and it's not, the question is are you willing to do something about it, that's the real question We're going to have an altar call here in just a moment. Brother Brian's going to come up here and he's going to lead a song. Brother Brad's going to play on the piano and we're going to ask the Lord to lead and guide and direct this service. And you do as the Lord would lead. If you feel like you want to use the altar, you're more than welcome to do so. I want to close with this story. I want to close with this story. A dear preacher friend of mine, I'm not going to mention his name. (coughs) Dear preacher friend, he's got a thriving church. He gave this testimony. He's an older man. He's a man right around 70. But he's still very active. He said to I and a number of preachers, he says, Gentlemen, I pastored this church for 14 years. He said, I talked about soul winning. I knew what the Bible said about it he said now we saw people saved at our church even but he said God convicted me because he looked us right in the eye he said because I knew I was not a soul winner he said I'd go to the hospital I wouldn't even share the gospel he said I'd go out on visitation and I'd be fortunate just to hand out the track but I was not a witness He said, it was eating me alive. Eating me alive. He said, I'd finally made a decision. God convicted me. And I deliberately decided I'm going to start witnessing to people. I'm going to start talking to people. I'm going to deliberately share my faith as opportunity arises. And I'm going to look for opportunities. By the way, they'll come if you look for them. They'll come if you look for them. He said, I started doing that. He said, it took a while. He said, I mumbled and stumbled and stammered like I had a speech impediment. And here I'm a preacher. But he said, one-on-one, I could not talk to people. He said, but eventually the Lord gave me a soul. He said, it revived me. He said, it put new life in me. He said, gentlemen, it has changed me. He said, I'm not a soul winner by theory anymore. He said, I make myself go. And it's not my disposition. When he said that, I said, God bless you, man. I appreciate a man who'll be honest and transparent. He said it affected his heart. You know what he did? He returned to the first works. He returned to the first works. Brother Brian, Brother Brad, come on up. We're going to have a word of prayer. Father, bless this service. (coughs) Thank you for the scriptures. This morning there may be somebody here who would say, Preacher, I don't even know that I'll go to heaven when I die. I don't want to die and go to hell, but I am not sure that I'm going to heaven. If that is you, if you're not 100% certain that heaven would be your home, I want to pray for you. If you'd slip your hand up so I can see it, I'll pray for you. I won't embarrass you. Anybody like that? Say, preacher, that's me. Pray for me. I'm just not sure. Pray for me. Lift your hand up so I can see it. Anybody? You'd say, God bless you. Yes. All right. Are there any others? Say, preacher, pray for me. I'm just not sure that I'm going to heaven. I don't want to die and go to hell. Pray for me. Lift your hand so I can see it any others all right well I'm going to pray for you and we are going to have an altar call if you'd like to come forward I can have somebody share the gospel with you and give you assurance how you can go to heaven okay Lord may you bless this invitation minister to hearts thank you for your word for your love and Lord most of all as I consider this no matter how far we wander We discover as the prodigal son that you never cease loving us. We're so thankful for that. May you bless this invitation now. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.